Welcome back into the Dead Arm Sports Podcast. Josh and Jell here on a Thursday. Thursday live on a Thursday. Live on a Thursday, kinda. We're uh, recording <laughs> on Monday here, but uh, coming at you on Thursday. We'll be back on Monday for live. So make sure you subscribe to YouTube so that way you know when the episode goes live, so you can ask us questions. Speaking of questions, Jell, you've got our question of the day today. So I will go ahead and kick it over to you. So we are recording live on 4th of July, to be totally transparent here. Uh, Speaking of 4th of July, though, one of the best uh, traditions in American, do we want to call it sports, is the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest uh, (laughs) live on Coney Island in in New York. Joey Chestnut has won the Hot Dog Eating Contest. Now uh, results are in, spoiler alert, uh, for his 16th straight season, or 16th straight year, I guess you don't, is it a season? I don't know. 16th straight year winning the hot dog eating contest. His over-under on this was to finish 76 and a half hot dogs. Oh. He finished with 63. Guy's weak now. But he did he did come out on crutches. And I don't know there if that was, has anything to do with There it. was also some spectator that went up and held up a sign, and Joey Chestnut also tackled them because they weren't supposed to be on there, somebody that was uh, protesting something. So that also was it, happened I didn't on see stage, that. yes. So, was it PETA? I, I think protesting it was more with the um, unknown animal Supreme Court that stuff that's been going on, I think, that is makes more, more sense. what it was. But, yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't so see that. Well, some of the – I know Chestnut, Barstool came American. out and gave money back to people for – anybody that bet the over anything on the hot dogs due to this happening because he was stopped for a little bit and I think thrown off of his rhythm. But uh, yeah, still, still eat a lot of hot dogs. (laughs) Still 63 over 12 (laughs) minutes, not too shabby. So, Oh God, that's disgusting. (laughs) I can't imagine. Joey Chestnut, ultimate competitive eater. If you were to, so my, this is my question, question of the day. <laughs> if you were to enter an, a, an eating contest, not most, just not in terms of weight of food, like over, bad, bad, poorly worded. Let's start over. <laughs> if you had 12 minutes, as they do in this hot dog eating contest, to eat as many or as much of some food substance as you could, what would you go with and why would you win? I don't think I would win because I think there's somebody out there that could probably eat more than me, but I think I'd have to go ice cream. I can put down some ice cream. So, <laughs> brain <laughs> freeze, fuck you can beat the brain freeze? Yeah, usually. Although, yeah, that that would be tough because usually I like my ice cream sitting out on the counter for like a minute or two so that way the spoon goes into it nice because I usually just nice eat it right soft. out of the carton. I'm the savage like that, so... But yeah, I could I could eat a lot of ice cream. Otherwise, maybe like some Skittles. But either way, I'm getting a, just a <laughs> nasty stomach ache after this, and it's gonna be it's gonna be bad. I'm I'm wondering. I think Marshawn Lynch might. Uh, he's gonna have something to say about that Skittles uh, competition. Yeah, and Skittles would be tough too because I can't stand the people that just open up a bag of Skittles and just start dumping them in their mouth and don't eat them one by one. I'm always one that eats them like one by one. So. That would that's also how, be a little different, but would I would have, have to, to just, yeah, just go to town on that. So 
See, the thing with Skittles, you'd have to have extreme jaw strength. Yeah, that because would be... if you're pouring, if you're pouring in a ton of Skittles, it's like, I mean, think about how hard that is to chew and like even opening up your mouth, how sticky it is. Yeah. Do you have that jaw strength? No, probably not. So I guess I'll go with ice cream. <laughs> go with ice cream. Beat the brain freeze. Yeah. Mental test Mental with the test, brain yes. freeze. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go chicken wings. Okay. I think I I think I could now there are some people out there that can literally just like I don't know how they do it but like with flats they can ba- they can just like hit the like a right the right part on that bone and the or right part on like the top of the wing and the bones come just blasting out the back and then they can rip off the meat and shove it in their mouth. I don't think I don't know how to do that but I think I could go to town on some wings. Like Probably have to be, probably go no sauce. I'd probably have to go dry rub if I was trying to like speed eat, I guess. But the sauce, sauce could help be a little it slide messy. down though? Yeah, you got, you got, oh, that's a good point. I could just imagine help. some nice dry rub and you just inhale some of that dry rub and just start coughing <laughs> for two minutes and just ruin it. Like, oh, game over. <laughs> Contest is over. Yeah, I, but. The thing with the sauce is like it gets me- it could get messy. The wing could be slipping all over yeah. all over the place if you have buffalo or something. Dry rub, maybe a dry rub, but the seasoning would have to be like intact, I guess. Yeah. That's probably that's probably the way that I would go, but I think that I think I could probably eat a pretty decent amount of wings uh pretty quickly and just you know, it'd be fun to kind of throw the bones around too, which would be Throw bones at your opponents and stuff. <laughs> Maybe if I have a long segment, I want to talk about it at some point. Joe, we can have a how many wings can gel finish before Josh gets done talking segment, and we can see. How many <laughs> can put that's a down. good time. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got like an like an opening rant, maybe that's what we do. Oh, we'll have to wait for football season and the Bears to start playing. And yep. then we'll have a few <laughs> <Yep>. rants. So, <laughs> although I don't have do Matt Nagy to blame Bills? anymore. Did the Bears play the Bills at all this season? Uh, that would be perfect. Because I could go Buffalo Wings while you're ranting about Bears. I don't think we do. I can't remember what division the a, uh, the NFC has this year. December 24th, oh, Christmas, okay. Eve, oh, Christmas Bills Eve. Bills at oh, Bears okay. at noon. <laughs> well, okay, next week, uh, mark tune it in, down folks. on the calendars, <laughs> fellas, all you listeners. Mark it down. You're going to have to find us on YouTube. Uh, just... And for for that event alone, find us on YouTube, uh, search Dead Arm Sports. It should be the first thing that pops up. You'll find our channel. Make sure to hit subscribe and hit that alerts button, uh, that that nice bell. Ding. (laughs) And uh, and 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 you'll see uh, you'll see a little 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 eating contest by your boy Joe. I'll be sure to I'll be sure to make a full batch and see how many I can knock out. <laughs> Sounds good. We can be found at Dead Arm Sports Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like Jell said, check us out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, click the bell, and we'll we'll let Ding. you know when we're recording. You'll get a notification so that way you can jump Ding. on when we're live, answer any questions <laughs> that we have you have. Jell can be found at Das Jell. That's at D A S J E L. It can be found at Das JPEC. That's at D A S J P E C. Send us any questions, comments, concerns you have about the show via DM, and we'll hit you back. Or else, if you think it's a good question, bring up some discussion. We will 
answer it live on the next podcast. Subscribe, rate, and view the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us a screenshot. Get you some sticker swag sent out in the mail. And and, and make sure to uh, whatever whatever social media platform you want to hit us up on. Again, it's at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter and IG, or on Facebook. Just search Dead Arm Sports. We're in the off season. We want questions. We want topic ideas. We want to we want to talk about whatever you guys want to hear us talk about. So yeah. any ideas, any, you know, any questions that that you listeners have, we're inviting anything and everything. So uh, make, make sure again, socials at Dead Arm Sports. Going to kick off the show with some MLB here before we get into the AFC East fantasy preview and Juan Soto supposedly offered a 13-year, $425 million offer from the Nationals. They bumped that up from, what was it, 10 for 350, 10 for 325 earlier? It was, uh, shoot. Either uh, way, it was a yeah, substantial I, I, I increase was, was from a this last Huge <laughs> increase. Yes, and yeah, what are your, I guess your thoughts there. I mean, that's huge, and... Obviously, Juan Soto three fifty. It was the, his original. Okay, original offer, same time span, thirteen years. Okay, three fifty. <laughs> so he like got a seventy-five million, million dollar increase. increase with this next offer. Yeah. Well, obviously, he's the best player on the Nationals. They want to get him locked down as the future face of their organization. So I don't blame them for this offer to him but it's looking like he wants to end up testing out free agency and if he does end up hitting free agency and this is the offer that he turned down from the nationals what uh what do you see that money looking like i i I mean i say risk it for the biscuit and try to get the first ever fit 500 million dollar deal in american sports i say i say go for it if you can get a that the current offer is 13 years for 425 that's 32.7 million a year insane amount of money to turn Jesus. down for 13 years going forward but i'm not saying 13 years 500 but if you could go 15 years and get to that 500 million dollar mark that's 33.3 million a year that's that would take him basically till the end of his career and he gets the first $500 million contract in American sports, maybe in all of sports globally. I say risk it for the biscuit, buddy, because somebody's going to be out there, I think, willing to make a deal like that. I mean, you stay in the Northeast, and and you got the Yankees, the Bo Sox that are probably ready to spend. Dodgers, always a wild card. They could, <laughs> yeah. shit, the Dodgers, they're always willing to spend money. They're, they're, why not pay for, you know, they, they, they were able to figure out a way to get Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman. Will Smith is their their catcher is probably due for a contract extension. He may be the best hitting catcher in all of baseball right now. He's hitting Will Smith is hitting in the three spot for the Dodgers. Fresh all those <laughs> the, the slapper. Hardly know her. Oh. oh. <laughs> Not great. Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one back. <laughs> uh woof. Uh Will Smith, the uh, baseball player, he's the three hitter, and he's, you know, he's making diddly squat right now. Look at all those other hitters, and he, you got him. So he, he's a, he's do a deal, but the Dodgers seem to have endless money. Mm-hmm. I, 
So you got the Dodgers that are going to be in play. The Padres have been willing to spend money lately. You may have the wild card of the Chicago Cubs coming in if they're ready to, you know, that ownership is ready to break the bank finally again. They haven't been able. They haven't been willing to. (laughs) Probably, yeah. (laughs) But is it the Ricketts still? Yes. Uh, Yeah, they're not willing to spend any money. But, uh, you know, I mean. Unless it's a Premier League team. (laughs) True, true. But no, I say risk it for the biscuit. Try to get that five hundred million dollar contract, because uh, I mean, I mean, why not? Try yeah. test out free agency. We really haven't seen this, you know, a player hit of his stature as young as he is hit free agency ever. And I'd love to see if he does and see see kind of what people are willing to or what teams organizations are willing to pay. No, it'll it'll be interesting because, like you said, if he's already getting this offered right now, it's obviously going to go up over that. And I don't necessarily blame him. I mean, the Nationals, they had a nice run for a while, but they kind of shot their shot with it. They ended up getting a World Series out of it and then couldn't really keep anybody else around. Bryce Harper leaving a year before they win the World Series. Scherzer ends up moving on. Um Who's the guy that went over to the Angels? I'm blanking on. Andy Anthony Rendon. Yeah, which he's had out for the season. Good. He's yeah. been a. Di- <laughs> Andy course, suspended another, to start the next season. Angels <laughs> signing that has just been an absolute train wreck. <laughs> yes, shocker. Welcome there. to sign. Yeah, the only one that's actually worked out is Shohei, who is. Yeah. By the way, have you been? Have you kept up with this Shohei? What he's been doing lately? I mean, he's his ERA is. In the in this or he had back to back days where he had a eight RBI game. The next day he went seven scoreless. This is insane what he's doing. Like we've literally never seen a player like this. But carry on with what you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) I was just gonna say I almost would have liked Juan Soto to have entertained this offer and maybe maybe throw in a opt out after year three four where you can start making bank right now see if the nationals end up turning it around can get into playoff contention just pretty much tell them like hey you've got this amount of time to get us back into being a winning organization again otherwise you know what i'm gonna opt out and still in his prime could still get a huge contract and at that point in time who knows what those huge contracts are looking like i mean every year the contracts just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, but obviously he doesn't foresee the Nationals being competitive down the road, or he just wants even more money and knows he can probably get more money from some of these other organizations. And like you said, those big market teams, they like to spend money. So there's no shortage there on that at all. So, yeah, I, I, I just, I want to see it just for my own entertainment purposes, see him test free agency and see what's out there, see see who's willing to pony up, and there's going to be teams. But yeah. Speaking of free agency, Jeff, Freddie Freeman ended up canning his agency after kind of a, I guess you you say a botched in a negotiation where... According they, to reports. Yeah, he had, what did they give the Braves a deadline but then never really said anything more to them they didn't accept the offer that the Braves had put on the table and apparently Freddie said he wasn't ever even made aware of this and then all of a sudden they ended up trading for Matt Olson from the A's and obviously at that point in time Freddie Freeman's no more or no longer coming back to the Braves so 
Freddie was very emotional when he the Dodgers ended up returning to Atlanta. You could see him physically <laughs> emotional multiple times throughout the series and everything. It looked like he wanted to stay a Brave, but just didn't end up happening. And after the series, ends up canning his agency. You have to imagine that he must have talked to some executives on the Braves and said, you know, how did this happen? Why... Like how did how did how did this not all come together? I wanted to stay. You have to imagine that conversation was had, and they probably said, "Look, we our last offer was whatever it was," and I and your agent said that you weren't interested, so we had to move on. And he said, "Freddie goes, what was that? What was that last deal again?" Because <laughs> apparently, according to reports, he never got that final offer from Atlanta, his agent never said, never brought that final offer from Atlanta to him. Hell yeah. I'm firing my agent. (laughs) If he's doing, if, if if that, if that agency is doing, is pulling that kind of stuff, I get, I, I just sit here and I wonder why does his agent want him to play in LA so badly? I mean, thinking there's other opportunities for him to make money. He maybe his agent gets now in ties with the Dodgers organization and, you know, knowing that there's other Dodgers that are going to become free agents. And, you know, you, you know, you make your way into the organization with Freddie Freeman and eventually you expand your, uh, you expand your own business interests. So I, that's 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 the cynical side of me saying that that's probably what that agent did or that agency did is if they're if they if that report is true that's some real shady shit that went down and oh, big time I guess also the other thing too is if you're Freddie are you I mean you know you you're you're tied in with the Braves organization if you're Freddie Freeman you've been there for your entire career up until this season won a world series <laughs> Exactly. How do you, I mean, do you, at some point, don't you take it into your own hands? And if you're thinking, if you have any inkling that your agency is not doing their best to get you, you know, if you're maybe suspicious, like, why are they pushing the Dodgers so much? Why do they really want me to get to LA? You've got contacts with every executive on that, within that organization. Don't you shoot him a text and say, what is it going to take to get this done? What's your best offer? I don't know. Maybe Freddie really just wanted to like be hands-off in this. But as you mentioned, you saw the emotion of him returning to Atlanta. It's pretty damn obvious that he wanted to stay in Atlanta and probably regrets moving off of or you know joining the Dodgers. Kershaw, after the series, said basically, I hope that I hope that Freddie doesn't look us at look at us as a second fiddle team you know as as a backup plan because we've got we've got the best I mean we've got one of the best teams in the league we've got everything that we need to win a world series so hopefully he doesn't look at us as a backup plan second fiddle to the Braves now that he's on our team so you can almost feel it within the Dodgers organization that they are questioning if Freddie wants to be there I don't know. His his agent really screwed him, I think. And I I you after seeing that emotion, you have to feel you almost have to feel bad for Freeman. Yeah. No, 100% on that, but 
At the same time, too, like you had said, that maybe he just did really want a hands-off approach with his free agency and just told his agent, like, hey, I want to come back to the Braves, but do what, do what you got to do here and let's do whatever. But if you really, really want to go back to a team, you probably got to have some sort of contact with the GM or somebody and just be like, hey, I want to be a Brave. You guys want me back. What's it going to take? What's what's going to happen here? But maybe there was a lot of miscommunication during that lockout period too. We kind of forget about the season starting off in that lockout, and he was one of the pieces that. That's a really good after point. That, I didn't so, even. I didn't even. I didn't even think of that. That's nice. Yeah, I, I honestly, even, it just popped up awesome. or whatever in my head. I was like, <laughs> I, oh, yeah, there's a lockout this year, but maybe that's what happened. Maybe there was just really miscommunication between Freddie and his agency during that lockout period, and his agent was. Because like, he, all right, you, well, we're going he down literally whatever, couldn't but talk, talk to, to the to anybody in the players association. So. Can't make any any players cannot make any contact with the actual team. Yeah, but even so, like once that lockout period was done, you'd think you would have just been like to your agent, "Hey, I want to be a Brave. I don't really care if somebody else is coming in with a huge deal. Just make this happen and let's let's get this done." And that's that's the end of it. If somebody really wants to stay on the team that they're currently on, they're the face of the franchise, there's no way a deal can't get done. I mean, you'll end up meeting in the middle one way or another. Somebody will have to concede a little bit more than they want to, and it'll get done, and they'll be back there. But obviously this wasn't the case for Freddie, and now he's uh, (laughs) looking for a new agent. (laughs) And that's what makes me think that his, his agent or, you know, the Excel agency just wants just really wanted to get in within that Dodgers organization. Yeah. And that's that's really shitty. That's really tough for to to I mean you you're you're ruining I I mean I'm not saying you're ruining his career, but you're ru- Freddie Freeman is one of the biggest stars in baseball and you're you're selfishly Again, if the reports are true, this agency is selfishly putting themselves ahead of their client. And that's the opposite of what an agency wants to do. And they may have, by making, by taking this gamble, very, very possibly shot themselves in the foot of ever landing another high dollar, a high-end player ever again from joining their agency. Because... If you're let's let's say you're Juan Soto and you want to try to get that five hundred million dollar contract, how could you possibly trust this agent, this agency, to be to work in your best interest? That's what an agent is supposed to do: work in yeah. their client's best interest. If the reports are true, this agent was clearly just looking out for themselves, and that's what you can't have in an agent. No. Not at all. So I don't I don't blame Freddie if that's a case for getting rid of his agency because they obviously did not represent him how he should have been represented. So yeah, not uh, tough not luck. Great. Yeah, <laughs> try it's... again next time in 2028 <laughs> when you're 38 years old. I guess <laughs> right. That's the shitty so part too. Is it's not like contracts. it's not like he's 25 <laughs> and he's got one big deal to make. He's got one big deal left. He's when this deal is up in 2028. He's 38 years old. He's got maybe. A couple one, two, three, maybe maybe a one, a couple one year deals, maybe a two year deal, maybe a maybe a, a a Nelson Cruz type of future where where Nelson Cruz is at now, getting one year deal after one year deal after one year deal. Thirty eight years old, yeah, he can slug now, but 
that's a ways off, and 38 is there, there's a tipping point in baseball. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it'll help now that the DH is in the National League a bit, but even so, you're going to see a huge slide in production. And yeah, he's probably maybe a invite to a training camp or something at that point in time, unless he hasn't really dropped off a ton, but. uh, historically after what 34 35 you really start to see that decline big time it's tough yeah all right jill you ready for some football are you ready for some football a monday (laughs) night party (laughs) hank williams oh yeah how would that work in karaoke you think that would be a hit (laughs) (laughs) I could either that see, see that going very well or very poorly. Get the hell off the stage. One or the exactly. other. <laughs> yes. Maybe I'll try that next time I go out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are talking anything and everything AFC East today. So this is your fantasy football preview. And we're just going to kind of go through, talk about some guys that we're looking forward to for this upcoming season, guys that we like for fantasy, and then we're, we'll jump into some players that we don't like, and we'll give our reasons why for that. I don't know how you necessarily want to kick this off, Jeff. If we just want to go team by team and say who we like, who we don't like, and let's just let's 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 just and, go team by team, and uh, you know, Bills obviously. Let, let's start with the Bills, given that they won the division last year. <clears throat> but I right now Vegas odds to be the they're the AFC favorites to make the Super Bowl. Jim Kelly knows all about making the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, doesn't know about winning it uh, with <laughs> the same correct. franchise. <laughs> but yeah, let's kick it off with the Bills. Sounds good. I'll go through. Um, obviously, Josh Allen. He's probably my top quarterback off of the board, or at least in contention for your the boy. Top won that so. uh, won that debate. I, I I can never stop reminding you of this <laughs> this Josh Allen Kyler Murray debate. That we yeah. had when we well, first kicked off extremely this, uh... dumb with uh, Mr. Prima Donna over there in Phoenix. So, yeah, not uh, not a question anymore. But no, again, Josh Allen get rushing touchdowns from him, passing touchdowns. Buffalo's offense looks awesome. We'll see what the transition looks like without Brian Dable being there calling plays, but should be a pretty seamless transition there. Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, even Dawson Knox came on at times last year outside of his injury. So I, I really, really like all of those guys this year for fantasy purposes. And as far as dislikes, guys, I'm staying away from on Buffalo. Not a ton, but I am, I'm out on the Buffalo Bills backfield at this point in time. I just I can't trust any of those guys. Yeah, I, I speaking of the you know that backfield last year. Basically, the first third of the year, or so it was kind of Devin Singletary's. Uh, I wrote down Montgomery. <laughs> Damn it, I got it right during the show. Thanks for I, I'm pointing out my own freaking shitty notes. Uh, De- Devin Singletary pretty much commanded that backfield for the first third of the year. Zach Moss was in command the fi- the middle third of the year, and then Singletary took it again, took it over again for the final third of the year. Something along those lines. Uh, I ain't no math magician here, and, and I didn't break it down exactly <laughs> like that. Um, but so I did see, though, that that Buffalo Bills staff is extremely confident in Singletary being the number one guy going forward all season. Do you see that being the case, or could you see, you know, I, I guess, you know, how does James Cook factor in in this? 
Yeah, Devin Singletary did do pretty well down the stretch last year and even in the playoffs a little bit. So he kind of did what we all thought he would do when he came into the league. They are who we thought they were. (laughs) Yes. James Cook, I could see maybe taking over kind of that Zach Moss where he's more in on third downs goal line work and have Singletary in between the 20s. He's good catching passes out of the backfield as well as uh, James Cook is too. So it just, again, we say this every single year with Josh Allen. It's his run game inside the 10s that scares me the most, I think, with the running backs. Running backs in fantasy football, you need touchdowns, and they just don't get them a lot. It's usually Josh Allen punching it in on the goal line, which is unfortunate because Devin Singletary, if he were to get some of the goal line work and get more opportunities, he'd probably, being on a really solid offense like this, be able to crack the top 15. But it's just it's so hard when Josh Allen gets so many rushing touchdowns every year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, right off the bat, if you're or from from 2021, uh, I mean, Josh Allen had a number. He had a a number of uh, rushing touchdowns. Obviously, you're taken away from from the backfield there immediately. But but ultimately, to me, what kind of a threat do you would you say that that? Uh, I mean, do you do you see James Cook factoring in? as a Zach Moss type of threat where Singletary, we said we preached Zach Moss ever a threat. (laughs) I mean, if you drafted Singletary, yeah, because Moss was took over the middle part of the year for Singletary as the top bills back. So could you see that as a possibility for James cook? And again, and just again, let Going back to Josh Allen, he had six rushing touchdowns last year. You put those six touchdowns into Devin Singletary, and you you're looking at an RB one potentially. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, Dable's gone. Josh Allen's got this massive money. I can't imagine they're going to run him as much as they did last year. So, I okay. So, I guess my ultimate question is. You know, where are you willing to take Singletary, both in redraft and dynasty? I, I, are you interested in him? Are you more interested in him in, I would imagine you're more interested in him in redraft than dynasty, but are you willing to put Singletary, lock him in as a comfortable RB2? I would say more flex play until I see more consistency out of him. Again, it just scares me because they have such a committee and they have the last few years where, again, at times Devin Singletary's looked awesome, but they just haven't given him the work. And they have put Zach Moss in, who never really was relevant when he was on the field other than taking snaps away from Devin Singletary. Mike Tolbert! Yeah, James James Cook coming in. And we'll see what ends up happening there. But I think – And again, like you said, with Josh Allen getting that big contract, you would think that they would put the ball in the running back's hands more along the goal line, but he's been so successful getting the ball into the end zone, and that's what teams want is getting the ball into the end zone. That's the goal of football. So if Josh Allen's really good at doing that, then I think he's going to continue to do that, and it's going to eat into the running back's productivity and their potential. So, I mean, let's talk dynasty then. James Cook. Let's talk just rookie backs, Brees Hall, James Cook, Kenneth Walker. Is that, I mean, do you, not in that specific order, but are those your top three running backs just right off the top of your head in terms of rookie running backs coming in? Or do you have another one that, another, another back that you want to throw in there into the mix of, of top rookie running backs? 
Um, I mean, James Cook was a was only, a second round pick. As was yeah, Walker. I mean, as I was Brees. Like, yeah, I think Brees is far and away, and we'll talk about him in a little bit here. But I think he's far and away the best running back, at least for what he could possibly do this year. He's got a very clear path to winning that starting role. It sounds like out of Seattle, Rashad Penny's getting a lot of good positive vibes out there so it sounds like he's going to be the starter there on day one and obviously he's had an injury history there but Kenneth Walker should should eat into the snaps and Sean Penny was only signed for a one-year deal they brought him back for one year so I think after this year for sure Kenneth Walker will be there and hopefully oh, no, they it's, got it's to, my, uh, I, I forgot it's Ken, Ken Walker. Walker my bad <laughs> yeah I'm just gonna call him Kenny <laughs> Kenny <laughs> <laughs> But the only other running back I think I would throw into the mix, we talked about him, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, is Damian Pierce down in Houston. Just because if he is the starter good, there, good call could out. be relatively pretty relevant. So going into your redraft, keep an eye on that training camp battle there and see if Damian Pierce is getting the bulk of the um getting the bulk of the work right with the starters and everything like that he might be somebody that could quietly be somebody that you could plug into that rb2 or a flex spot for you uh every week but yeah james cook could potentially be awesome like you said he was a round two running back so you like that but i want to see it from buffalo's offensive system that they get their running backs involved especially around the goal line before I really want to take a chance on him. If he slipped down into the draft, especially like a James Cook, if it was, I don't know, in the double-digit rounds, it'd be a lot more interesting to me. But I think his he's getting bumped up a little bit more just because he's Dalvin's brother, but he's not even close to Dalvin's level. <laughs> no, he's never going to be Dalvin Cook. No, <laughs> no. I, no chance. I can't, I can't see that coming. I mean, he never no. was able to dominate the Georgia running back room. So obviously you had Zamir White there who was who was awesome for for the Bulldogs. But I, I guess, it, you know, you have to wonder how does Ken Dorsey now him moving Miami quarterback legend Ken Dorsey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, wonder how he, uh, you know, if, if he tailors that offense more towards the running game, if, if he's, you know, assuming he's doing the play calling, uh, given that Sean McDermott is a defensive coach, I'd imagine Ken Dorsey is going to be doing the play calling. See, kind of see if he takes the ball off of Josh Allen's hands a little bit and, and preserves a little bit of his legs. I want to move over to the pass catching positions uh, between Stefan Diggs, uh, Gabe Davis and uh, Dawson Knox. Stefan Diggs is 28. He just signed a four year deal for 96 mil. Good for him, man. I'll take that. <laughs> right. Hundred mil, nearly a hundred million dollar man. Too bad he didn't get that extra four mil and and get to get to a hundred like AJ Green or AJ uh, Brown did. AJ Green, woof. do not pay AJ <laughs> Green a hundred million dollars right no. now, please. No. <laughs> but I guess you know. So he's he's a lock. Uh, you know what you're getting out of Diggs. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Gabe Davis, though, we we've seen some really good stuff out of him. He's just been inconsistent. We saw a three touchdown playoff game with Gabe Davis. So we see the potential that he, that he has. Do you see what kind of a role do you see him jumping into? Do, do you see him as a reliable flex option or would you rather, you'd obviously rather have him be on the bench, but if he's sitting there and he's maybe your second flex, would you feel comfortable as Gabe Davis being 
in there as a as a week to week starter. Not right off the bat, but if you see him very involved right away in game one, I think I'd be comfortable putting him into that flex spot just because, like you said, Buffalo's going to put up a ton of points this year. They're one of the premier offenses in the league. So I like having pieces of a premier offense. And Gabe Davis is somebody that could definitely win you a week. We saw it in the playoffs with his three-touchdown game and could potentially do that during the regular season. You've got... Before last year, Emmanuel Sanders was there in front of him and just never really got worked into a consistent role where he should start the season off as their wide receiver two lined opposite Diggs. You got Jamison Crowder in the mix this year too, so you can put him in the slot. And Gabe Davis should be pretty relevant, but again, it's going to be interesting. I don't know that I necessarily feel comfortable putting him into that flex spot week one, but I think as the season goes on, you're going to be more comfortable and more comfortable with him in that flex spot. And you maybe even crack your wide receiver two area of your lineup too. Especially by weeks. I think he's, he's an absolute potential play Oh yeah, for 100%. at least flex, if not even like you said, wide receiver two. So let me jump over to Dawson Knox then. Cause I agree with everything you said about Gabe Davis. Let me jump over to Dawson Knox, that tight end position. He, he, he broke out last year before he got injured. He was yeah. a very, you know, very nice, positive surprise at that tight end position. But do you think that he could be a one hit wonder? Or do you think that he can continue that success given now you've got the presence of James Cook as a receiving back and the, and, and the continuing evolution of Gabe Davis. Now also the presence, like you said, of Jameson Crowder, do you put Dawson Knox down a peg, down a tier within that tight end room, or do you think that he can continue? Because he was a monster, especially in the red zone. Yeah, I think he can continue. I don't think he'll ever be a top three, top five tight end, but I think he slots in nicely to that tight end five through 10 spot or tight end six through 10 spot. And I mean, that's not ever going to win you weeks, and it's kind of a crapshoot if it's not a top three tight end. But, again, I like having pieces on offenses that put up a ton of points because it gives you more opportunity to have your player find the end zone. And he's never going to be one of those guys that's winning you weeks if he doesn't find the end zone. But, I don't know, I could see him having six, seven touchdowns again this year, which would be pretty solid for him. So, that. Let me let me let me throw then uh, a question. How do you rank these three players? It's a it's a triple D question. <laughs> Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard, Dawson Knox. Dalton Schultz, Dawson Knox, Dallas Goddard. That's, we'll get into uh, Dallas Goddard next week on Monday, but spoiler alert: same, he's somebody that I'm in uh, dislike. So yeah, I, I think I've, I think right now I fall in that same that same ranking. Go Dalton Schultz. He's got nice rapport with Dak, but then Dawson Knox right after him. I'm I'm yep. I'm totally comfortable with that. Sounds good. All right, we'll uh, move over to the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets here. And I've got a couple of guys, which obviously the past hasn't uh, been something that would come out of my mouth, a couple guys that I like on the Jets, but (laughs) a 
going into this year, I I like Brees Hall. It's again, it might not be week one or week two, but I think he's going to be the one getting the bulk of the carries down the stretch and somebody that I'm comfortable taking him where he's currently going in drafts. I'll get into him in a little bit more, a uh, little bit later on, but also like Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson combo too. I think they're going to do wonders for Zach Wilson on the outside. I still think Zach Wilson's got a lot left to learn. So I'm not in on him this year. He does fall in my dislike category along with Corey Davis. I'm completely out on Corey Davis. I'm done, I'm done just, with his ass. I'm done. So Move especially Move with on. them getting Garrett Wilson this year, you're going to see Corey Davis phased out of that offense. So those are the three guys I like. Brees Hall, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson. Do you fall into that category? Do one of those guys not as in on? Uh, where do you sit? Those are the three guys that I like. My question to you then Let's go. Let's go to that wide receiver room. Who do you like more, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson? We're talking. Let's talk redraft. <laughs> yeah. It's it's. I I would say dynasty. You'd want you'd take Garrett Wilson Garrett over Wilson, Elijah Moore, yeah, but redraft sure. this year. Where do you fall between Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson? We had this debate during our mock draft where we had the option to take mm-hmm. both. I was siding pretty hard on Elijah Moore. Uh, I think you were more on the fence, so I want to hear. I want to kind of hear your, you know, your thoughts here. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell had some solid games last year. It took him a little bit to get going. Had that injury during training camp, so it kind of gave him a little bit of a slow start to the season. But ended up having a pretty solid year and built some rapport with Zach Wilson. Had a couple of breakout games, though. I think the game that's coming to my mind is he had a breakout game against the Colts, and that was the week that I can't even remember what the quarterback's name was. But Zach Wilson was ah, uh, that would have been uh, uh, oh, it was the Cowboys like third stringer. All right, you you keep going. I'm gonna figure. Yeah, this I'll out. keep going. <laughs> Sounds good, but uh, so that's Mike the White. only thing. Mike, Mike White, White. That's right. Yep. If Mike I White. could be Mike White. <laughs> but uh, so <laughs> I I guess I would lean Elijah Mitchell right now, just because we've seen him do it in the NFL. We know he's capable of having decent weeks, and we haven't seen that out of Garrett Wilson yet. Granted, Garrett Wilson should be solid. I mean, he has all of the tools to be very successful in the NFL. And I think, like you said, if it was dynasty, I think no question I'm going Garrett Wilson, but in redraft, I'd probably lean Elijah Moore. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning heavily Elijah Moore. I really liked what I saw out of him last year. I, I mean, he, he, it took, he, he off to a pretty slow start, but you know, up and up through like up until Halloween night uh, against Cincinnati. They actually that was their first win of the season was against Cincinnati. Six receptions, had a twenty-four yard reception. That was kind of like when he started taking off. The following week against the Colts, seven receptions, two touchdowns, and and from there on he. So from from that point in the first weekend, that first Thursday night of November through the rest of the week, he scored at least one touchdown for the five weeks to finish off the season. That's pretty baller. So you're, you've got great momentum with that Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, uh, you know, that combo, that, that rapport. So I, I do really like Elijah Moore going into this season, especially for redraft for me. I love, of course you love the potential that Garrett Wilson can bring to the table, but 
unless you see the Jamar Chase, the Justin Jefferson real hardcore breakouts, rookies aren't always destined for greatness in their first year. Of course, there's exceptions like the two guys that I just mentioned, but Elijah Moore, I feel like I know what I'm getting going into next season. That's why I'm higher on him in redraft uh, over Garrett Wilson, but I think Garrett Wilson ultimately is the more dynamic player. It just depends how quickly are him and you know him and his uh, long lost cousin Zach going to uh, how how quickly are they gonna gonna uh, Wilson to Wilson combo? Yeah, how long <laughs> Wilson squared? When is that gonna marry up? Yeah, one guy I do want to just kind of get your thoughts on. I know obviously you uh, were very high on him going into last season, but with Brees Hall coming in, what uh just out completely on Michael Carter? Or what do you? What do you see, at least as far as expectations for him this year? Hand, Obviously, handcuff? Dynasty is not uh, not looking good, but handcuff. That's yeah. that's that's what I see him as now at this point. It's if you take Brees Hall, you trade up for Brees Hall as the Jets did. That's your RB one from day one. So I see Carter as a handcuff, and that sucks because he did show some really nice flashes last year. I thought, uh, but. He's it's it's a matter of how is he going to get much playing time, at least enough to make a fantasy impact. So I think he he may end up being one of the you know, he could be Alexander Madison 2.0 when Alexander Madison was looked at as maybe the top handcuff in the league. Now, does Michael Carter fall into that category where he ends up being one of the at least one of the top handcuffs in the league, a Chuba Hubbard type? That's probably where I see him. Maybe him and Chuba are neck and neck. Okay. Now, if you were somebody that had Michael Carter in a dynasty format, are you actively shopping him and putting him out there for the Brees Hall owner to try and at least get some value back from him? And if not, is he somebody that you would say is droppable? Or what? I guess where do you sit there on that? I guess it depends. Trying to help how- out our friends that might have him. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how. I guess it depends how deep your bench is if you're in dynasty hopefully you've got a pretty deep bench uh i would assume that's that's how most dynasty leagues are run um so i I, i'm not ready to drop him uh if i'm an owner i would see that's the thing though if if you're trying if you try to shop michael carter what are you really going to get in return even if you're trying to sell him to a breeze hall owner what do you get for a handcuff i mean a yeah. Uh, some some other random, you know, a random bench guy or a future late pick. Uh, wh- what are you what are you really getting out of this? So I I probably unless that unless that Brees Hall owner comes to you and says I want Michael Carter as my handcuff and I'm willing to give up something halfway decent and he's not, and and that he or she, that owner is a Brees Hall owner is not going to give you is not going to be willing up to give up anything. Obviously, starter worthy at least to start no. off the year. So maybe just see how this, maybe see how this year plays. Or or the other thing you can consider, wait until that or get close to that trade deadline. Maybe Michael Carter is that number one back for the first four weeks, six weeks, and as you get close to that deadline. If you're dealing with fools in your league that are like, oh, my God, Michael Carter's putting up great numbers, maybe you'll have a decent, you know, you you could have a chance to get a decent return. But 
I wouldn't do it in the off season if I if I'm a Michael Carter if I'm a current Michael Carter owner I'm probably just gonna hang on to him and and see kind of how the cards play out. Sounds good. All right, uh, moving on to the New England Patriots. And the question I have for you, Jell, are you in on any Patriots? Because I found myself, I'm avoiding Patriots this year. There isn't anybody that I'm really looking to to go after and draft. My notes for the Patriots are exactly this. Ideally, I have zero pats on my team, maybe the single worst team for fantasy in the NFL. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's no. uh, seriously. If you look at yeah. every other team, there's somebody, and Damian Harris is worth. I mean, obviously draftable. Ramondre Stevenson draftable. Hunter Henry draftable. But do you want any of them on your team? Not me personally. No. I I'd be more excited about getting Ramondre Stevenson late than yeah. grabbing he's Damian the Harris. Only one. Where, yeah, where, if I could get Ramondre later, that would be that's that's the only way I'd go. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not looking to draft any Patriots. Mac Jones? I mean, <laughs> no, I don't I don't want him. Do you see him as I, I guess? Do you see Mac Jones as a backup option at this point? I that's probably his ceiling this season is a viable bye week backup. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're just talking about your standard leagues. This isn't a two-quarterback league or anything like that, because I think he would make his way onto a two-quarterback roster. But outside of that, no. He he has potential down the road to maybe be fantasy relevant, but his wide receiver options and pass-catching options just aren't great and sustainable for him to be putting up QB1 numbers. And let's face it, you've only got most leagues 12 teams maybe 10 you need to have a quarterback one to compete with everybody else and mac jones is not it and i don't see him being it for the foreseeable future either so until he gets in more guys that are big time threats then maybe i'd be in on him i mean Devonte parker came over this year but he has never been able to sustained success even in Miami Devontae Parker had one year there but no I Mac Jones is I'm not interested in him for redraft or dynasty at this point in time and he should be somebody then standard leagues that is out there on the waivers streaming yeah streaming at best streaming option at best I'm not drafting him no especially also give we don't know if the Patriots have actually have an offensive coordinator they're they're talking about Matt Patricia <laughs> yeah. possibly being the OC. Like this sounds like a dumpster fire in the, you know, in the making. Yeah. And you and I have both said this during the off season that we see some major regression in the Patriots this year and that they're not going to be uh, as good either. So I'm, I'm out on Patriots. Big time. All right. Moving over to the last team, the Miami Dolphins and Got a couple wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. I'm I'm in on this year. I, I like both of them. I think you're gonna see you need to have temper your expectations with Tyreek. He's not gonna be putting up the numbers he did in Kansas City, but I think he'll still be fairly relevant. And again, I do I do like Jalen Waddle quite quite a bit too. Um had monster season last year as a rookie. And as far as dislikes. Dolphins running backs. It's a committee. It's a shit show. Down Chase there, Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, Miles Gaskin. <laughs> like, 
is this going to be a four running back by committee kind of a season for him? I think so. I mean, they gave Chase Edmonds some decent cash. I would expect to see probably more of him, but I'm not comfortable, and I haven't been comfortable with any Miami running backs in a long time for fantasy. And I don't even know. Tua, I didn't really put on there either. Not a huge Tua guy going into this year. Tyreek might help him out a little bit where he's got some more streamable weeks. And then Mike Kosicki's kind of burned me in the past too. He's got potential to be up there. They brought him back on the franchise tags. You'd expect him to be heavily involved in the offense, but he struggled at times last year to find fantasy relevance. And that was without Tyreek Hill there. So I just, I can't get in on Mike Kosicki either. I guess ultimately like I'm going to bring it back to the wide receivers in a sec here, but for Tua, are you higher on Tua than you have to be higher on Tua than Mac Jones? Oh, correct. Yeah, I that, mean, yeah, that's not a question. And so yes. he's is he a draftable? He's a draftable QB two. Yes. Would you yeah. say? Now, I would say Tua could be rostered as your backup. Would you Absolutely. feel comfortable in a super flex having him be your second quarterback drafted? I think so because I mean, if you're in a 12 team league, that's 24 quarterbacks. So I think he definitely, without a question, falls into that top 24. So I would say he's probably for me, maybe in the, I don't know, 14 to 18, 14 to 19 range for quarterbacks, I would think. So he's probably a pretty solid QB2. I'd, I'd say 14 is a little high, but I mean, I, I, I'm taking Kirk Cousins, for example, over to a. What? Hmm. Let me throw this at you, Tua, Trevor Lawrence, for redraft. Tua, Tua. you're taking Trevor. Tua. Didn't look good at all last year, so Tua was at least you could have probably put him in a couple weeks and had some sort of relevance. But yeah, I need to see it from Trevor Lawrence. I'm I'm out on him too. Justin Fields, Matt Ryan, Tua. Fields is no, no, not. I didn't know. If, <laughs> I didn't know. If would, opt- I didn't no, know if the, no, the no, rushing no, no, no. potential would tempt you. No, I mean it does, but he's. Oh, it's gonna be bad this year. I, Matt I, Ryan I is whole, more interesting. <laughs> Matt Ryan, man. Yeah, I probably would slot Matt Ryan in front of Tua. They'd probably be pretty close in my rankings, actually, back to back. That, that's just that's... Michael Pittman there too. But like I said, you got Tyreek Hill there now too, and if Tua can manage to not underthrow him, he should be getting <laughs> a lot more uh, receiving uh, passing yards this year with Tyreek there as a nice uh, deep threat for him. So speaking of Tyreek, then I mean, where do you see him going, both in redraft? and dynasty where would you ideally slot him i mean he's been he's been all over Tua's jock all off season saying that he's that that Tua's more accurate than patrick mahomes i don't know if this is if he's just creating this false <laughs> narrative or if he believes Probably. what he's saying just to try to pimp up his own quarterback or or what um but he did say that on a pod on his own podcast i guess Everybody's got a podcast. Make sure to just listen to Dead Arm Sports. Yeah, right. uh, you know, I mean, you know, hashtag ex- exclusive. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so I guess redraft, I would, I'm taking probably Tyreek over Jalen Waddle. But in Dynasty, where would you slot those two? Tyreek's 28, Jalen's 23. 
three, I believe, right now. So where do you slot those guys in terms of, I guess, how would you rank those two in terms of, let's let's just start Dynasty because I think that's the easier, or that's that's the that's the tougher debate would be. Yeah, I think I would probably lean Jalen Waddle just for the age factor. He had a solid season last year with Tua, so they had built that rapport. Um, so I think I would just lean Jalen Waddle. You're going to get a lot of catches out of him too, where Tyreek is going to be more, I think, transitioning to that kind of that deep threat, kind of that Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson. Bam, Deshaun. Yeah. <laughs> yep, so I think it'll kind of be like that. I don't see as big of a drop-off because it seemed like in the snap of a finger, Deshaun Jackson was just irrelevant, where I don't think Tyreek is necessarily going to be like that, but I think he's going to be more that deep threat. You're going to see Jalen Waddle is more the possession guy getting a lot more catches during the game. So I don't know. Jalen Waddle was somebody that, we had questions on him going into last season, and he was very solid. If you drafted him, you were happy, and he was very relevant as a rookie wide receiver last year. So I set a, I, I set like a rookie Battle. receiving record in terms yeah. of total total receptions. Yep. So I I like Jalen quite a bit, especially for Dynasty, and I I almost would say Jalen Waddle in redraft. He's somebody that I don't know if you want to transition over to top three guys that were yeah, targeting. Yeah, let's, let's go. He He's one of mine right now. He's going in the late fourth round. He's a 409 in redraft. And I kind of like it there. That fourth round is one that you're kind of got a crapshoot of guys, but Jalen Waddle is somebody that can put up solid numbers for you at that point in time. He's more than likely going to be your wide receiver two on your team, which I'm very comfortable with him there. Tyreek is, you got the big name with Tyreek. I mean, everybody knows who Tyreek Hill is. He's probably burned you if he's been on your opponent's roster numerous times. So, But he's probably also at the same time burned you if you're an owner. If you've had him, Because there's weeks where he'll put up two receptions for 16 yards. Yep. And that was with Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, right now I don't have the number in front of me where he's potentially going, but I would imagine he's probably going somewhere in that second round, whether it's early, mid, late. And I just don't know if you're going to get the kickback yeah, there with his value in the second round. I'm, so. I'm seeing right now ADP is exactly where you put it, very end of the second round, early first with Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Yep. So I – I'd rather have Jalen Waddle in the late fourth as opposed to where Tyreek Hill's going. I'd rather grab somebody that I know is going to be up there. And somebody, for example, Stephon Diggs right now is the 205 pick for ADP. And I would much rather have Stephon Diggs on Buffalo's offense. And he's somebody that I would definitely target because he's got potential. What was it two years ago? He was the one or number one wide receiver in fantasy football and he's somebody that could potentially do that with Josh Allen there so he's somebody that you could get that could be a league winner for you in the second round so Stefan Diggs no question I would draft him over Tyree Kill and like would obviously do that so that's that's why I'd rather I think have Stefan Diggs Jalen Waddle where they're going as opposed to Tyree Kill so if you if you're ranking your top three in this division, are you starting off with Diggs, and then who, and then who else follows you at at two and three, or follows Diggs, or at least in terms say, of like guys you want to target? Yeah, I would say Diggs. As far as wide receivers go, Diggs, 
And then you've got the, I think, Waddle-Tyreek Hill battle there. I don't see any of the Jets wide receivers jumping either of those guys that I'd want to target. Elijah Moore maybe in the discussion, but no, I think I, I'd still I'm rather have Jalen Waddle. I'm taking one of those two Dolphins yep. over. And obviously more. Patriots aren't even in the discussion, so that's kind of where I'm leaning. Um, I'll just get, since I've already thrown two guys out, I'll give you my last one, and then I'll kick it over to you for your three guys. Uh, Brees Hall, he's going to beginning of the sixth round right now, so I think that's pretty solid for somebody that potentially could be their starting running back to start off the season. So I I like Brees Hall where he's going right now and somebody that uh, you could get a lot of value for there too. But he's going to obviously move up once training camp goes and all of that. So that's just kind of right now, again, we're recording on the 4th of July. Not a lot of redrafts have happened at this point in time. So I expect that number to move up. And I would almost say he's probably, if he – is looking like he's going to at least get split carries or and potential for taking over that starting role fairly early in the season. You're probably going to see him move up into that fourth round. I bet. Let me throw. Let me throw a scenario or just a, just a quick on Brees Hall. Hammer David Montgomery. Right now, if you were to draft today. Right now, I would go David Montgomery just because you know he's going to be the focal point of that offense with how putrid that wide receiver room is. (laughs) So you know you're going to get a lot of production from David Montgomery. David Montgomery really doesn't come off of the field a lot either. He's pretty good out of the backfield catching the ball. So I'd go David Montgomery right now. Antonio Gibson, Brees. That's a little bit. That's a lot tougher. I'd probably go Brees. I'm thinking the same. I'm thinking the same. There's too many questions yeah. with Antonio Don't Gibson, know even health-wise, too. Yeah. He's had issues with health. All right, well, I'm going to jump into my top three guys. I'm going to start off Stefan Diggs. If he's out there, you it's it's guaranteed production. It, there, you're not going to have the, you know, there, there's there's no swing and miss potential with Stefan Diggs. You can plug him in, plug and play wide receiver one extremely comfortably. So if you've got, if Stefan Diggs does fall does or I shouldn't say fall to you but you know if if the draft works out where you're able to grab Stefan Diggs I mean I'm higher on Diggs than I would be Devontae Adams I'm higher on Diggs than I would be Debo Samuel because we don't know what Debo's role is going to be either this year yeah I would say Diggs anywhere in the second round if you're drafting the second round he's on the board I'm definitely comfortable grabbing him if it's the 201 pick obviously if it's a 212 you're absolutely pumped that he's damn all the way back to you (laughs) have a nice jonathan taylor stefan diggs combo to kick off your draft that'd be not uh, too shabby awesome but uh, yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, i'm gonna start up diggs is just you know i he's the top player in the division by i think by a pretty wide margin uh i'm gonna and then you know second guy that i'm targeting we already we just talked about him Brees hall there's gonna be plenty of opportunity out there for him uh and then and then third I'm. This is where I go back to the Miami debate of Waddle, Tyreek. I probably lean. I probably lean Tyreek just for the boom potential, but you're you're gonna you're gonna have more guaranteed production with Waddle. So I, I guess that could be a toss up. The other name you gotta, of course, throw in there is Josh Allen as the number one quarterback in in the league. But that is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. This was going to be my question of the day for you today before you had the great 4th of July one. And Josh Allen right now, his ADP is at 202. So uh. what 
what is the earliest that you are comfortable taking a quarterback? Because he's obviously somebody I would love to have on my team if he fell into the third round or if he was there, you're like the if you have the one overall pick and then he came back where you could pick him in that two twelve or something like that, maybe. But I'm one of those I'm not comfortable at all taking a quarterback in the second no. round and even the third round I have a hard time with. So that's why I was kinda out on him solely for where he's getting drafted. Depends right on now. I guess it depends if you're able to get a stud back stud receiver in rounds one and two. Yeah. And uh, and then you're sitting there like, okay, I could have the QB1, a very high-end running back, a very high-end wide receiver, and Josh Allen happens to be there at three in round three. I don't love anybody else. That's the only way that I'm willing to take that leap and grab Josh Allen right now. I don't love going quarterback early. I mean, mm-hmm. given that, I mean, look at Kirk Cousins. He generally yeah. falls a lot and puts up 4,000-yard seasons and ends up being a pretty viable fantasy quarterback every year. And he's you can get him pretty late. So Matt Stafford, too. I mean, at least when he was with the Lions, he would tend to fall because the Lions suck or sucked. <laughs> yeah. and But he would still put up good numbers. He was still a very good uh, fantasy quarterback. Not the same now that he's on the Rams, but you you know what you you get the premise that I'm getting at. So yeah, I I mean he's the easy QB one for me, but I'm not gonna necessarily I wouldn't put him above being able to grab a second flex or a second you know or, or grab a flex at that point in round three you're not grabbing a flex obviously, but you know grabbing an RB two or grabbing a wide receiver two or if one of those really high end tight ends end up falling to you maybe that's where you go, but. I'm not reaching for I'm not reaching for a quarterback. There's too many good options out there. Yeah. No, absolutely. And usually, I mean, between the top quarterback outside of Lamar's crazy year he had, there really isn't a huge drop off there where if you take a quarterback over a wide receiver running back, you're gonna start seeing a huge drop off between production there. So that's why I like going those skill positions early on in the draft. And then I like trying to see what quarterback ends up sliding down a little bit maybe get some value a little later on in the draft we'll talk about a quarterback next week that I really like this year in the NFC East but uh, we'll get into that next week all right Jell, can I get a little golf swing from you as we transition over to our golf preview (laughs) nice (laughs) that's me missing the ball (laughs) Nice. (laughs) We've got the uh, Genesis Scottish Open to preview this week. This is the first time that the PGA PGA Tour and the DP Tour have kind of collaborated for an event. So this is a sanctioned event for both tours. So kind of get a nice cross up this week as some of the American players start going across uh, the Atlantic Ocean, get ready for the Open Championship, spend some time over there. Uh, it's at the Renaissance Club in North Berwick. So I don't know too much about the course, but nice field. Looks star-studded compared to the John Deere from this last week. So I'm excited for Not that. Not saying so much, get but... Some <laughs> very, very early morning golf uh, this week. So if you want to watch some of the guys tee off, it'll be... Uh, maybe when you get home from the bar on a Thursday night, you can tune in <laughs> to some live golf coverage. But uh, that's the only bad part. But who are who are some of the favorites this week? What do you got for me? I mean, your top five, you're looking at John Rahm... Uh, Staying on that side of the pond as he's, you know, he's a Spaniard. 
uh, at plus 1,100. Justin Thomas at plus 1,200. Scotty Scheffler also at 12, plus 1,200. Uh, that's 12 to 1 odds. Uh, Xander Shoffley, Matt Fitzgerald, both at 18, plus 1,800, 18 to 1 odds. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of did a little bit of a dive um, into kind of some of the best bets that I, or one of the best bets that I think is out there and somebody that I'm going to fade. I'll start off on the positive note and go with my best bet for the week, not to win the tournament, but to finish top 10. And I want to go Keegan Bradley. He's had some, he's played pretty well this season. He's had six top 12 finishes this year, tied for seventh at the U S open uh, you know, earlier in May, finished second in the uh, in the Wells Fargo. So, you know, I, I I can't take him to win it because he hasn't proven to me that he can actually finish a tournament and win it at least anytime this season. But you can get plus money on Keegan Bradley to finish top ten. The other thing that I need to consider is right now it's pegged that there's rain in the forecast for all four days. And that's the kind of thing that can really throw off some of the really, really top end players if that forecast ends up correct. So I like Keegan Bradley here as as a top 10 finisher. Again, you can get plus money on him. So uh, played pretty well. Hasn't been able to finish, but top 10, I think, is reasonable for him. Golfer, I'm going to fade Scotty Scheffler. I don't like him at plus 1200 here. I he's over his last 7 tournaments, he's finished outside the top 10. Obviously started off this this season as hot as as hot as possible, but last 7 events all outside the top 10. I can't love him here and at plus 1200, I think you're throwing away your money. I'm 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 fading Scotty this week. No, I like those a lot. Like you said, every tournament pretty much you've tuned into lately, you see Keegan Bradley there on Sunday, and he's kind of come on strong the last little bit, playing some great golf. And like you said, though, the rain and the forecast, it kind of levels the playing field. And obviously most of the tournaments you go and see across the pond, winds are usually pretty high too. So that also uh, makes for some exciting and eventful golf down the stretch. But uh no, that's pretty much all I had. We can jump into our picks here. So uh, if you're new to the show, every week starting with the Century Tournament of Champions, Jell and I pick a golfer, whatever their score is relative to par. That's a score you get for the week, keeping a running total there. If your golfer misses the cut like mine did last week, you just get whatever the score is for that. And uh, once you pick a golfer, can't use them again and can't use the same golfer as your opponent. So Jell, do you know uh, who picks first this week? Well, uh, I am up by uh, an estimated fifty-two strokes on you for the oh, season. Okay. So I, uh, I think, I'm looking to get that all back. This I'll be week. a gentleman and give this uh, hand <laughs> hand the reins over to you, buddy. All right, somebody I'm going to go with this week. He's been playing some fairly good golf. Almost. Uh, won a major tournament or at least forced to play off a couple of weeks back. Uh, somebody you really like gel and that's uh, Mr. Will Zalatoris. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a big Willie this week in hopes that uh, can at least crack the top five. And hopefully your guy has a little trouble and uh, yeah. So I'm going to lock in Will Zalatoris. And again, we are recording on a Monday. So if either of our golfers, 
withdraws before the event starts. Usually Jell and I will text each other and then we'll update you next week. Like I had to do a Steve Stricker, but uh, right now, Cheater. according Monday, Will, Will Zalatoris is locked in. So I love, I love Zalatoris this year. I'd pick him almost every week if I could, <laughs> at least in some of these bigger tournaments. I, He's I, depending on what uh, what book you're looking at. Some books have him at plus twenty five hundred to win. Some have him at plus three thousand. So you could get some pretty good odds on Zalatoris. Again, he is searching, still searching for his first ever PGA Tour victory. But it's 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 just bound to happen at some point. So I would not be shocked. I I. favorite golfer on tour, personal favorite golfer on tour right now, Willie Z. But uh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the uh, with the tournament favorite here, John Rahm. Ramalama ding dong. Ramalama ding dong. You know he's the favorite. I've been kind of figuring out when do I want to use him. He's been the fa- like I. I mean he's been the favorite in just about every tournament, almost every tournament outside of a few weeks when Scotty and JT uh, have really been in command of or have been you know have been atop of the you know on top of the uh, favorites, but. Rom is, you know, he's he's a Spaniard. He's familiar with that side of the pond, and uh, you know, it, it's this is his first tournament since the U.S. Open, where he ended up finishing tied for twelfth. He had a really, really, really good Thursday, Friday, where he went into Saturday atop the leaderboard, ended up going even on Saturday and three over on Sunday. So he didn't end up finishing well, but he is at least, you know. His last couple tournaments, the weekend or the the turn his tournament before he had a top ten finish, so I like a little bit of that momentum for John Rahm and not going back. He's not going back to obviously his his home course, but at least on that side of that side of the uh, Atlantic Ocean. So I like him here, and you know I'm ready to finally take. Finally, take Ramalama Ding Dong, <laughs> and also again, no, it's I, a preview for the for the British Open, which I think he's going to end up doing well in. So he's 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 got to be dialed in right now. Yeah, no, I I like John Ram a lot this week too. So I I think that's a great pick. He's somebody I was looking at, but I had already picked him, I believe, earlier on. So I ended up locking in oh, a did. little Willie Z action. So. Special shout out, uh, apologize to the listeners out there if you can hear the thunder in my background and if you can still hear fireworks, yes, there is a dumbass out there lighting fireworks in a thunderstorm, so uh, shout out to you, buddy. That's great. Hey, you know, live or die for the cause. I guess. We can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram, check us out on Facebook, make sure you subscribe, click the bell on YouTube, you'll know when we drop our live shows, and that way you can jump on, ask us any questions, again, like your teachers would say in grade school, no questions, a dumb question, so we will take any and all questions that you have, write them in on our DMs to us on any of our socials, or at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Send us a message. Gel can be found at Das Gel. I can be found at Das JPEG. Hit us up on there. We'll hit you back with your, our answer, or else we will answer it on the next podcast. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on all of our listening platforms. That way you know when our episodes drop. You can listen to them, interact with us, uh, let us know if you liked a segment we did, any other suggestions or ideas that you want for us. Again, Joel and I love talking sports, and this podcast is for our listeners. You're what makes our podcast go, so we want to make sure we're talking about things that you want us to talk about or want to hear more about. So make sure you 
are interacting with us and let us know what you want to talk about. And uh, Jell, where can they listen to us at? Hit us up on our presenting sponsor, Anchor, on uh, both available online on a website just by searching Anchor.fm or available on your uh, on your Apple Pod or Apple uh, Apple store whatever it's called <laughs> words are hard yeah doing well uh or a google's google play store <laughs> let's oh hopefully <laughs> woof uh great job and uh <laughs> make sure to subscribe rate review whatever your chosen listening platform is anchor allows us to present this to you for free again that could be on, that could be on apple uh, spotify iHeartRadio, and google pods make sure to hit us up on our youtube channel just search dead arm sports on that youtube search bar our channel should be the first thing that pops up at the very top of your page hit subscribe and also make sure you hit that bell to get your alerts ding ding <laughs> ding there we go uh <laughs> take it away <laughs> shit show, of a, shit show of a finale <laughs> yes <laughs> appreciate everybody out there listening hopefully you found this last segment very entertaining <laughs> and uh struggling through our uh <laughs> social plugs but uh nonetheless we'll be back with you next week again uh this was the first of our eight division fantasy preview so we will be moving to the nfc east next week talking about the manders and the cowboys and eagles giants maybe Commandos. we'll see if we get there see if we have anything nice to say about the giants next week you'll have to tune in to find out Be rare uh, rare occurrence yes. <laughs> yes but uh again appreciate everybody out there listening make sure you subscribe on our platforms we will be going live on monday so that way we can uh, have you jump on and you know what whoever is out there jumps on and asks us a question on our page Send us a DM afterwards with your address. We'll get you some stickers sent out. So that is a shout out to whoever asked the first question. You will get some sticker action next week. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. You know when we go live and be the first one to ask us a question. Gel, close us out. AFC East? More like AFC Least? <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs>